Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, bullying prevention, Golden Gopher football suspensions, and a look at classic holiday movies. But first, a bipartisan group of Minnesota lawmakers this week rolled out a bill that would ban state agencies from tracking the location of DWI offenders who have ignition interlock devices on their vehicles. MNN's Bill Werner has been covering that story, and he joins us now. Bill, why has this issue come up? Scott, the State Public Safety Department wants to know immediately, in real time, if a DWI offender tries to start his or her vehicle and the ignition interlock device does not allow it because the person is impaired. Officials say someone knowing that that information is immediately sent will discourage the person from drinking and even trying to drive. Top lawmakers say they don't have a problem with that, but they say information about an offender's location going along with it is problematic. Here's Republican Representative Peggy Scott from Andover. I think there are some constitutional issues with that, and people that signed up for this program didn't sign up to be tracked. Um, so you're talking about even a first-time offender um, that was uh, caught drunk driving, and now they're they're putting this device on their car so that they can um, go to work and uh, have a life, basically, so they can have their driving privileges reinstated. And uh, this is not what they signed up for. And uh, so I believe that there are some Fourth Amendment issues at question here. What they signed up for was an interlock system that basically they blow into, right, to be sure that they're not impaired when they're driving and if they're not impaired then the car they're able to start the car right the ignition interlock program was designed to do one thing and that's to shut down the vehicle if someone's been drinking and so they can't get behind the wheel and drive that was the intention of the ignition interlock program now the the Department of Public Safety is wanting um, real-time reporting. Right now those devices are read every 30 days. The program participant has to go back to where they had it installed. That information in the little box is downloaded as to their the content of their, their breath. Um, and so now um, they want real-time reporting. The department believes that that will cut down on recidivism, that people will actually you know, stop their drinking, and um, which is a good, it's a good goal, but um, as I've often said, just because you can doesn't mean that you should, as far as technology is concerned. The department is not, they're telling me that they're not interested in the location of these people. What they're interested in is immediate feedback um, to the program participant that they've blown the test, okay? And they believe that and the fact that that report will go immediately to the Department of Public Safety will cut down on recidivism. So people would be less likely to drink um, and then try to get behind their vehicle. And, and you don't disagree with that, but you disagree with using that then to track locations. Correct. Correct. And, and, and you know, for them to say, well, the, the, the data is being held by a third-party vendor, well, by virtue of those third-party vendors having a contract with the government, that isn't all. That's that information, that data belongs to the government then, right? So, um, and according to uh, Minnesota Data Practices Act, that would be public data unless it's classified otherwise, and they haven't sought any other classification. Um, what are we going to do with that data? And as we, as we know, once data is captured, it's really hard to destroy the data without destroying the device that it's stored on. So um, it's, it's problematic on a few levels. State Representative Peggy Scott 
A co-author on the bill, St. Paul Democrat John Lesh, says the problem is broader than just information about DWI offenders, and he's thinking about a comprehensive review of all areas to make sure Minnesotans' privacy is not violated in the future as technology becomes more and more sophisticated. Also this week, a second Democrat threw his hat into the ring for Minnesota governor, namely St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman. I've had a, a great honor to be the mayor of the city of St. Paul for the last 11 years, and we've uh, I think we've really done a lot for the city to bring uh, vitality and vibrancy to all four corners of the city. Uh, and I want to work on behalf of all people in the state of Minnesota, whether you're in a, a small town or a big town. Uh, we're all in this together, and it's a great state. We can make it even better. Mayor, you are entering the race right after, I think, by any uh, reckoning, Democrats took a pretty bad beating in the last election. Uh, and and uh, what is the message that you want to have to Minnesotans as to why they ought to rally behind Democrats rather than Republicans and Donald Trump? Well, I think, you know, first of all, we, we all care about the same issues. We want a good education for our children. We want good jobs for our families. Uh, we want public safety. You know, we want to live in a, in a safe place. Uh, those are the, the messages I think sometimes get lost. We don't we don't talk about what we have in common, what our common goals are. We we talk about what divides us. And I, I want to unite uh, people across the state of Minnesota on behalf of uh, moving the state forward. And one of the battles for uh, 2018 would also be, obviously, for control of the Minnesota House of Representatives. The Senate will be locked in for a while. But uh, do you bring that battle, if you were, or that campaign into your campaign for governor as well? Well, look at it. If, uh, if I'm fortunate enough to be the DFL candidate for governor in 2018, obviously I'll work on behalf of DFL candidates across the state. Uh, you know, the, the important thing, again, is, is making sure that we're talking to people. And, and whether you're a farmer in greater Minnesota or you're up on the Iron Range or you're uh, a person struggling on the east side of the city of St. Paul, uh, we all have uh, the same goals and aspirations for ourselves and for our families. And I think if we can have that conversation, uh, we'll do well. And, and at the end of the day, the, the, the principles that we've worked on in the city of St. Paul are, are ones that I think we'll, uh, we can share with, with other communities across the state. And have you made a decision in terms of abiding by the endorsement yet? Are you able to tell us anything on that? Uh, I'm going to shoot for the endorsement, and I'm planning on getting it. Okay. Uh, you're not saying whether, though, uh, if, if you don't get it, whether you would continue to the primary now at this point? You haven't made that decision? Uh, I, I'm just making sure that I'm going to get the endorsement. That's what uh, that's what we're going to fight for. That's St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman. Democratic Representative Erin Murphy announced last month she is also running for governor, but no Republicans are officially in the race yet. Scott? Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Technology moves at the speed of innovation. And today, that's lightning fast. So when you get your hands on the latest tech, don't forget to do the right thing with your old devices. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old tech device as easy as purchasing new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the responsible recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find lots of tips to simplify your recycling like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Television sets, video game consoles, smartphones, tablets, they're all recyclable. Don't let them clog up your local landfill. Just visit greenergadgets.org. You're sharp enough to get the latest tech tools into your home. Now be responsible enough to get your old devices to the recycler. That's greenergadgets.org. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The State Department of Human Rights recently released a school bullying video to provide more information to parents dealing with children who are experiencing bullying. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. Thanks, Scott. Is likely someone you know will or has experienced bullying. According to Minnesota-based Pacer Center, one in four students will be bullied this year alone. Joining me now is State Department of Human Rights Commissioner Kevin Lindsay. Commissioner, can you give us a little background on how this video came to be? So we have been in conversation with parents and conversation with other officials within the administration and that they have been hearing about more incidents of bullying and potential harassment within schools. So we thought it was very important to make sure that people had information about what the law prohibits, what they could do if they experienced bullying or harassment within the schools, and that they were aware that state officials cared about and making sure that every student had a safe environment. You know, I'll be honest with you, when I when I uh, found out about this video this morning and, and I went and watched it, I didn't realize that there was this, this level of protection. Can you tell us a little bit of, uh, about the rights that uh, families have when moving forward if, if their child is experiencing bullying? So a couple of years ago, the governor convened a task force to address the issue of school bullying. And at that point in time, I believe the entirety of the school bullying legislation was about 37 words. Uh, Commissioner Casilius and I and then uh, members throughout uh, the state of Minnesota listened to the concerns of students, listened to the concerns of parents, uh, took an insight from law enforcement officials, from school officials to try and craft a, a comprehensive bullying law, which would really reduce bullying but be tempered in a way to ensure that individuals' rights were not trampled. And um, we think that we have done, uh, we as the administration, we as the state of Minnesota have done a good job in, in creating something. Uh, could the law be tweaked? Probably. Um, but I think where we are now as it relates to uh, requiring schools to have resources available to communicate uh, their school bullying policies and to have people there in the schools to do investigations um, we're, we're in a good spot to do that. But we want to make sure that it's consistent throughout and that all school officials are doing that. And to the extent that there are any school officials that are unaware of their responsibilities, that they're clear, that they understand what those responsibilities and duties are. And if there is a parent out there who whose child is experiencing bullying, is there any good first step that they should should take at that point? Yeah, I, I think for the, the parents, what they want to make sure is that if their child is experiencing bullying within the school, that they make school officials aware uh, that it is going on and that a plan can be coordinated between the parent and the school officials to address it. Now, there can be uh, some situations, unfortunately, in which you might have school officials involved in the bullying itself. Uh, hopefully that won't be the case, but to the extent that it is, there our resources at the School Safety Technical Assistance Council, and that's on the Department of Education's website, to be able to contact them to coordinate resources that a parent might wish to use. could also contact the Department of Human Rights as well, um, and then we can um, work with the parent to figure out a strategy to address the issue. You know, and I also wanted to, to, to mention that the Human Rights Act not only protects Minnesotans um, at, at school, correct? I mean, we can see bullying in, in other areas of our daily life as well, too, correct? 
So as it relates to bullying that happened outside um, of the classroom, and, and I'll give you an example. I was just recently at a continuing legal education seminar, and the question came up, what protections does an adult have in the workplace to prevent bullying from occurring? And while there has been several states that have attempted to pass bullying legislation, which would cover the employment environment, we have not gone so far in the state of Minnesota to do that. Now, if bullying is tied to someone's protected class, that then creates a hostile environment on that protected class, and therefore someone would be able to get protection under the law. And you know, I will share with you is that I think that there are some, and and I think that is great, is that it's on both sides of the equation. There are some folks from, I would say, the employer side as well as the employee side that say that maybe the law should be tweaked to really address the issue of bullying and not make it such that it has to be tied to protect the class status. But where we are right now, it's not. And, and this law does protect, like, um, um, students on a college campus, correct? That's correct. Actually, at our symposium today, we're talking about issues concerning sexual harassment or inappropriate sexual conduct at schools. And recently, the federal law has uh, asked more of colleges to investigate and to address sexual um, harassment and violence on our campuses. Well, lots of good information, uh, Commissioner. Anything else that you would like to add today that maybe I didn't bring up? Um, I I think that you you asked uh, really good questions. I, I think for me, and I would say for all the folks that served on the school bullying task force, uh, we wanted to make sure that school bullying policies had more than just the tape behind it and that they actually were living, breathing documents. So I took that to heart, that that's really what they wanted Commissioner Casillas and I to do. So we intend to, to do that, to make it really meaningful. Thanks again to my guest, State Department of Human Rights Commissioner Kevin Lindsay. To view the bullying video, you can head to the department's website. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. 
Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. University of Minnesota football players are boycotting team activities and could sit out the upcoming Holiday Bowl in San Diego if they do not have demands met. The boycott is a result of a university-instituted suspension of 10 players, some of whom were involved in an incident investigated by police in September. The police investigation led to no charges being filed, but the later investigation conducted by a committee at the school did not meet to a threshold as high as law enforcement, and several punishments were recommended, including expulsion for at least half of the 10 students listed. That led the university to suspend the 10 players named in the investigation pending their appeals, which has now resulted in this boycott. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has more. Scott, it was a simple prepared statement from senior wide receiver Drew Walitarski. A few follow-up questions from the assembled media members, including an answer or two from senior quarterback Mitch Leidner, and that was that on a bizarre Thursday night at the Gibson Nagurski Football Complex on the University of Minnesota campus. Here's Walitarski's statement and the follow-up. We, the United Gopher football team, issue this statement to take back the reputation and integrity of our program and our brothers that have faced unjust Title IX investigation without due process. We are concerned that our brothers have been named publicly with reckless disregard in violation of their constitutional rights. We are now compelled to speak for our team and take back our program. This movement was largely motivated by a recent and disappointing meeting conducted by Mark Coyle. We wanted answers but received misleading statements. Moreover, the actions by President Kaler have breached fiduciary duty, not only to the 10 falsely accused, but all of us. We demand a meeting with Board of Regents Shu and Rosha without the presence of Kaler and Coyle to discuss how to make our program great again. We also want to address the unjust suspensions and other concerned in this closed door meeting. Effective immediately, we will boycott all football activities. The boycott will remain in effect until due process is followed and the suspensions for all 10 players are involved, are lifted. We further request that Kaler and Coyle an apology and demand that these leaders are held accountable for their actions. This decision for the players to take the stance is not easy but important to the action to preserve the integrity of the program and ourselves. We note that the Holiday Bowl Committee, Washington State, and the fans are affected by this decision. To that end, we respectfully request that the Holiday Bowl Committee be patient during this time while Mark Coyle considers reversing his decision to suspend. We also want to request that Mark Coyle make his decision with due haste. Finally, we request that the university refrain from retaliation of our coaches, players, and fans. 
This effort is by players and for players. Thank you. Was this meeting yesterday? With it was, yeah. Yep. What did he not say that you wanted to hear? We got no answers to our questions um, about why these kids were suspended um, when they were just found not guilty by the law. Um, so when we had questions for him, he basically told us that he didn't have answers and that led us to believe that, you know, this is kind of unjust and and he has the power to, to reverse this and, and he won't. And because, you know, these kids were this close, kids who were not part of an event, kids who were off doing other things, were this close to going to prison for, for things they didn't do. So as a player, it became more than a game for me, and I know it did, as you can see, for this whole team, about the livelihood of these kids afterwards, after football, because that's why we come here. We come here to get a degree. We come here to make a life for ourselves, and these kids' reputations have been ruined. President Kaler and uh, Mark Cole both said that Tracy made this decision to suspension. Did Tracy assure you guys that that's, he was not involved in That's it? not true. He doesn't have the power to do that. Mark Coyle has the power to do that, and Mark Coyle did it. Do you what believe that Tracy's Price name just kind of got thrown on that because Mark Coyle said last night that he and Tracy arrived at this decision? I don't believe that. Drew, what, what will you guys do if they threaten to pull scholarships? I mean, we're in this together where they're going to pull 120 guys off the team. I mean, they're not going to have a team if that's the case. Mitch, did you guys meet together? How, how did this come about? Yeah, we met together. And the thing of it is, is all these kids' repu reputations are destroyed. Their names are destroyed. And it's extremely difficult to get back. And it's very unfair for them. And that's why we're sticking together through this thing. Does this mean bowl game two? You won't play if you don't get what you want? You know, this is a day-by-day -day thing, a day-by-day -day boycott. I mean, until our requirements are met, then. We'd like the Holiday Bowl to be patient with us. What was it like, the team meeting, when you guys started? Obviously, you were angry and frustrated yesterday by not getting answers. Correct. Have you yeah. read the university's EOAA report? We have not. Nope. One more question. Did you guys Who met have... with Mark? We all did. The whole the entire team. team. That's all I want to answer question. Thank you. Thank you. Those were Gopher seniors Drew Walatarski and Mitch Leitner. Minnesota is scheduled for a Holiday Bowl appearance against Washington State in the December 27th game in San Diego. Scott? Thank you, Mike. More Minnesota Matters after this. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! <laughs> <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. It gets dirty, okay? All right. <clears throat> Now pass me the new filter. Why? Ha <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. I'm singing! I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. You may recognize that as a scene from Elf starring Will Ferrell. This week, I'm in the holiday movie-watching spirit, and I spoke with Star Tribune film critic Colin Covert. Now, we are heading into the holidays here, so I thought, who better to talk to than a movie reviewer about what makes a movie a holiday classic? So can I just get your thoughts on that? Is there one thing in particular? Well, I mean, obviously the focus, they have to be, you know, seasonally uh, appropriate. There has to be a Santa Claus, there has to be snow, there has to be probably a family in it, uh, because that's the stuff that we all deal with this time of year. And uh, But beyond that, it, it takes a certain degree of quality and, uh, and creativity. It can't just be the same old thing uh, that we've seen uh, many, many times before. And that is something that uh, we're dealing with quite a lot in today's market. You know, a lot of, a lot of sort of, you know, B-minus at best movies about families that are trying to overcome their, uh, their dysfunctions. And boy, they sure get together for a hug at the Christmas table. You know, we've, we've seen that one a lot. The ones that are new, fresh, you know, have uh, surprising uh, insights, those are the ones that we're really excited about. You know, watching holiday films over and over again each year has become uh, kind of its own holiday tradition, and I'm wondering how and when did that begin? Well, I don't When did it begin is a good question. I mean, you could go back to, like, I think it's a wonderful life, the uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart movie that was uh, brought out in uh, the, the mid 1940s, and that was you know one of the first ones that made a big a big splash in our uh, in our memories. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. It's become really popular in the last 10 or 20 years, though. They've become almost uh, almost unavoidable. And, uh, you know, why did that happen? I think it's because people figured out that uh, there's, a, there's a good way to market these things. You know, when we have uh, relatives uh, visiting, uh, maybe sometimes from out of town, we're looking for ways to keep them entertained for a couple of days at our house. Taking them out to a movie is a pretty good way to help pass that time. Provided it's a good movie. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified. I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider Carbon Action 200 Tower Rains Ball Air Rifle. No. Shoot your eye out. Where do you stand on the more modern classic Christmas story? Well, that is a, that is a, a huge, huge favorite of mine. It's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, sort of set in the 1950s. It's uh, uh, the recollection of a guy uh, trying to... Uh, 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 tell a story about uh, what his uh, childhood Christmas was like, and it's—I think it's absolutely hilarious. And uh, I think largely because it doesn't hugely depend on Christmas; it depends on, you know, a, a winter season visit to this family that, uh, uh, like all of our families, doesn't work perfectly, but but somehow they uh, they manage to uh, uh, make it through the the uh, catastrophes that they set up in a in a very funny way. So I, I think that's 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 really a, an absolute gem. And Colin, we've been talking about some pretty well-known Christmas classics, and I'm wondering if there are some hidden gems that you're aware of that maybe our listeners haven't heard of before or aren't as familiar with. Well, um, you know, I, I guess I would mostly go for movies that that did well enough to be uh, successful because that that indicates that they did something right. But there might be movies that people don't think of as a as as a as a classic or or a you know a, a film that they must revisit. But, um, you know, I would say uh, the Will Ferrell movie Elf, I think, is absolutely tremendous. You know, that's that's just uh, uh, delightful. Um, I guess um, 
Uh, actually, there's a there's there's a, a British ensemble romance that's centered around uh, Christmas called Love Actually, that I think is is very very good. It's uh, it, it's it's uh, less about the holiday season than, uh, than than a whole bunch of people who are looking for love and human uh, contact. And I I think that's certainly a sidebar everybody's Christmas. You know, I, I want to, for the most part, stay positive on this, but I do have to ask as a film critic, what is, in your opinion, the most overrated of the holiday classic films? Oh, the most overrated of the holiday classic films. That is a tough one. Um, one that's probably, you know, very low on my list would be uh, Dr. Seuss, How the, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I, I thought that there was very little in that made it worthwhile. It was an extremely expensive production with uh, Jim Carrey, and uh, you know, I thought it was—I uh, thought it fell far short of uh, you know either being faithful to uh, Dr. Seuss or expanding it in an interesting way. All right, and so we we got the the bad one out of the way, and I'm hoping as we wrap things up here, Colin, you can tell me what is your personal favorite holiday film and why. My personal favorite holiday film. Holy mackerel! You you got a, a hard one there. Well, I I think the one that I that I saw earliest that made the coolest impression on me is one that most people don't think of as a holiday film, but it does take place at Christmas, and that's Gremlins. Um, it's, a, it's a terrific, terrific science fiction, you know, absurdist parody comedy, and uh, it's something that people have, have, have been in love with for uh, more than 30 years now. Um, I, I like to view it and review it and uh, remind myself that, boy, it's really a lot, a lot funnier and a lot more violent than I thought when I saw it the first time. Look, Daddy! That's right. That's right. That's right. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.